you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. I want you to make this shift where you're not just coming to these services to be a receiver, although that's very good, that's necessary, but also that you would be poised as a giver, that these same things that you hear in these messages, you would turn right around having received for yourself and give them away, freely received, freely give, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so as I'm preaching this way from now on, yes, I want you to receive these truths for yourself, but it cannot stop there. You've got to allow God's truth, God's blessing, and the good life that he's ushering into you and your family and your church and your context to extend all around you to others. And so this is a major shift in how I'm bringing you the word, and it's a major shift in how you will receive the word. And so hopefully you're just uh, receiving this in faith and saying, yes, I'm ready to make this shift with you. And so we're going to bring light into darkness. We're going to bring life where there was death. We're going to bring healing when there was sickness. We're going to bring hope when there was hopelessness. Amen. Amen. See, we build solid lives here. And if you're not comfortable yet saying, I build solid lives, this is what these messages are for. For you to be able to latch on to your true identity in Christ, the reason why you're still alive on this earth after having been saved is to bring deliverance to others through the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, through all his precious promises that he makes us in this Bible that we know that he will answer when we call. We know that he will perform his word. We know that he's watching out to perform it. He is looking down and saying, who's gonna believe me? Who's gonna take me up on my offer? And so let it be you and let it be you to be a carrier of this light and life to those around you. We want everyone experiencing the good life And you, my friend, (laughs) build solid lives. Amen. Amen. So somebody say, I am going to rescue my city for Jesus. I am going to rescue my city for Jesus. And if you be so bold, say all of it. That's right. All of it. We're not going to let anyone perish on our watch because we were too complacent, lethargic, apathetic to go after them. No, we're going to make an effort. We're going to put our backs into this thing. We're going to get down the road making disciples just like Jesus said, because that's the gig. If we're about anything else, we're missing it. And so we're now that you know what we're doing and how we're going from today on, I want to usher you into this series, which is called The Good Life. And this message is called Rescues and Provides. So turn to Psalm 103 and John 10. Psalm 103 and John 10, we keep coming back to these two passages because God keeps providing such illumination into them. And so there is something here for you to latch on to today. We went through a little bit of it last week and we're going to go through more of it this week. And so uh, get ready. John 10, 10, Jesus teaching us. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Someone say more abundantly. You may have an abundant life right now. Jesus wants you to have a life more abundant than even what you got right now. Amen. Amen. (laughs) He just keeps giving. He keeps surprising. He keeps blessing. Hallelujah. And someone might say to Jesus, you could, a lot of people would say this to Jesus. Oh, big boy. 
So you come to give us the abundant life, right? Oh, you're the only one that can do it, right? Oh, you're the only way to God. You're the only way to salvation. You're the way. You're the one and only truth. You're the life, huh? And they do it with this sarcasm, don't they? You've heard this. Oh, yeah, Jesus, right? Oh, it's so out of all these religions that we got, yours is the one that's right. Has anyone ever given you that old song and dance? Don't fall for it. Do not fall for it because Jesus is the only one that can make these claims and back them up. And so speaking of backing up, let's back up to the beginning of John 10 and look at there. Jesus says, most assuredly, so already right there, we know that there's nothing more sure than this, right? This is among the most sure thing that you can be hearing. And I'm telling you, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. And so we know that later in John 10, that's the devil, that's the enemy. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things which he spoke to them. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Now here's another thing that Jesus is, right? The way, the truth, of life now is the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Now we get into John 10, 10, where the thief doesn't come except to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. All right. So now, no, let's just keep on going right here. All right. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. Oh, look at that. Jesus is telling us right there. He's like, I own you. You're my sheep, I own you, and we belong to him. Isn't it good to belong? But look, he says, one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Look, after Jesus gets done saying all this, therefore there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of those who have someone who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It's like, look, you ever see a demon healing somebody? You ever see a, a demon do anything like these miracles that this Jesus does? I don't think so. This is not the work of a demon. This is the work of God. See, when people experience all the blessings of God, 
all of a sudden, what happens? God becomes real. What, what happened? God was just born or whatever, right? To them, it's sort of like that. And now who's really being born in that moment? Whose spirit is really being awakened? The person, they're, they're coming alive to the knowledge of God. God's been, but they just haven't given him any mind. They haven't paid him no mind, right? Look, God's just up there in heaven, giving us his word, having sent Jesus. And he's like, all right, kids, get after it. I'll be with you if you get after it. And he's just waiting on us to get after it. And so once we deliver that to somebody, God gets to show off and do his thing. And all of a sudden people come to the realization. It's like, doggone, what have I been doing with my life? God's been real this whole time. You know why? Because some spirit filled person, somebody who has the boldness to go and preach Jesus and say, reach out a hand and say, come on up here. You who haven't been able to walk, get on up, get on up. Uh, All right. That was a little James Brown for somebody. All right. But this is where we come in. This is where you and I come in as life givers, as freedom bringers, as blessing deliverers. Amen. We aren't meant to simply catch all these blessings for ourselves and then like try to just balance them and juggle them and hold them. Man, let them let them fall all over the place to people. Right. Start distributing some things. Throw some blessings around to some people. Start speaking the word. Share, share, share. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The people in our city are about to experience a wave of investment from you and me. Somebody say amen to this. They're about to experience this first wave of investment from you and me like never before. And we're going to see our city rescued and saved, equipped and anointed for the adventure God has prepared for them to share the blessings of Jesus all around. Amen. Amen. And I want to I want to look at what blessings God is sending you out with. If you'll only go to deliver them. This is what he's sending you out with. Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5. Says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. If you can't start with blessing the Lord, you're already at an impasse, right? (laughs) If... If somehow you're just like stealing from the Lord or trying to take a look, that sounds like the other guy. No, we're, we're here to be blessing receivers, blessing givers, and, and turn right back around and we're so thanksgiving. Say, bless you, Lord. I can't believe you're so good to me. All right, now let's get to the scripture. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Every part of my being I'm going to bless you with. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, don't forget all his benefits, all of them, who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, come on. Forgives all your iniquities. We talked about that. Heals every sin that you bring to him. Amen. Heals all your diseases. So anything that comes up on you, comes around you, you catch a little something. You were born with a little something. This has been on you for 32 years, whatever else, right? He is ready to heal that. Activate by faith. Speak the thing out and get your healing. Amen. And then you know how much easier it becomes to rescue somebody who is having chronic pain or chronic illness or any situation. If you've been delivered from it and you've seen God work in your own life, then all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't know what to tell you. God's doing it. So you want it. (laughs) And you become so confident. It's like, this ain't no thing. This is not a problem. This is not something we have to drum up or work up. 
God is just ready to be good to you. Do you want some? Do you want some? And look at number three. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who redeems your life from destruction? Now, before we get into all this Bible stuff, I want to tell you one thing. Think about the California redemption value. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you get soda in a can or in a bottle, you have to pay at the grocery store or whatever. You have to pay in advance so the recycling fee that you would get back if you would only take the cans back to redeem them at the recycling center. You got to bring them to the place to get the redemption. Who knows that the redemption people don't just come up to you. Isn't that true? Then I'll say, hey, I, I'm, I'm coming here and I'm going to give you some money. And, you know, if you bring your cans in, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool. But here's the money. No, no, that will never, ever happen. Never happen. Not just because of the way of the world and they want their money. But I'm telling you, that's not how things work. Jesus has gone the farthest of anyone to do this and said, look, I have, I have already paid the price. I've already paid. Why are you double paying? And why are you going to pay for the rest of eternity when I've already paid? I bought the soda. I bought the Mountain Dew, man. And I paid the value at the, at the register. Why are you paying it? And so what we have to do is we have to then go to Jesus who then we get the benefit of the redemption because otherwise we just keep paying and paying and paying. All right, now let's get into the word. We know that Jesus redeemed us. This is not nickels and things, but he redeemed us from sin and death. Titus 2 verses 13 and 14 say, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the second coming, right? Jesus had come already. He's going to come again, wrap this whole thing up. Verse 14 says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Oh, level one. Does this sound like daily delight to you? Come on, a special treasure among all the earth. A people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. First of all, you have to ask yourself, am I his? Am I his very own? Do I belong to him? Have I been redeemed? Have I gone to the redemption center of the cross? It says, Jesus, you paid it all right here. And I owe you everything. And I'm letting you be who you want to be in my life. You want to be the redeemer. You want to be the savior. And you want to be the Lord of my life. And I'm letting you do, I'm welcoming you to do it because I'm so thankful. If that is you today, then we can move on to this, this next part. It says, eager to do what is good. Now, I know we're eager on some things, right? When I hear we're having chicken enchiladas, I'm eager to get to that dinner table, right? However, are we eager to do what is good? Are we eager to do the things that God is telling us to do? The things that God has made no secret or no bones about in his word. He's like, this is what you should be about. Are you? Are you about my word? Are you about my business? Eager to do what is good. I know a lot of people may not like this preaching. They're like, well, I just go to church, you know, because I get a little catharsis and then I can go back on my merry way and do whatever I want, you know. But I feel like I checked the box, you know. I gave God a little nod or whatever. There's this old uh, phrase that says, I signed the book. You know, I pop my head in, I signed the book. I, there's a record that I was there a little bit. That's not who we are here at The Rock. In order to build solid lives out of yours and out of somebody else's, you've got to give attention to this word and you've got to be eager to do what is good. I think what we're finding in the lack of people coming to Christ, 
being discipled and making disciples is because they have not come to this place where they are eager to do what is good. Can I just let you sit with that for a minute? The reason why we're not succeeding in the Great Commission is because we are not as eager as we should be to do what is good. We're comfortable. We're so comfortable. We have so many blessings. I keep telling my kids how blessed we are. And it's like, if you were to look, you know, (laughs) Jane doesn't have her own room or anything, you know? And so she's like, well, I want my own room. And I'm like, well, look, there's places, most places in the world, people don't have their own rooms. Certainly not kids and all that, you know, like they live, there's, there is the house is one room, the whole house, you know? And it's like how well we already have it is ludicrous. And we don't even see it. We're, we're kind of blind to the blessing. Somehow there's got to be a shift in our hearts to say, God, you have paid it all. And I have nothing in and of myself to give except obedience to you. And God says, that's enough. I'll use that. And now you go and give somebody some healing. Give them some freedom. Give them some deliverance. Give them, give, give them some redemption from destruction, would you? All right, now let's walk through this. Does this excite anybody? I think, I think if you've been here the past three minutes, then you're going to be in one of two camps. You're going to be like resenting what I say. He's like, man, how dare you? You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Or there's the other part of you. The other side is going to be like, I'm so excited about this. Tell me more about this. I'm going to tell you more. I'm going to tell you more wherever you started on this thing, whether you hate that I'm saying this because it requires something and more of you, or if you get really excited about it, like Jacob is thrilled. He's like, man, I cannot wait to get to more of this training. I cannot wait to get down the road to making disciples because there's a way and I want to walk in this way. See, be like Jacob. Jacob's smart. Be like Jacob. All right. And so if you care, if this excites you, then you're going to love the rest of this message. If you don't hang in with me, right? Give, give me a few more minutes and let's see what God does in your heart. Because this is the most important redemption. You being eager to go out and do what's good and give this redemption from destruction to people. Destruction sounds pretty complete, doesn't it? It's destroyed. It's not just like busted up or dented or broke, broken, right? It's like, well, we can fix that. You know, let's just solder that piece out and whatever. It's not that. This is an utter ruin. This is destruction. Jesus redeems your life from destruction. And it very well may be that he's doing it through my words. Imagine your words freeing somebody else. Hallelujah. This is not talking just about going to hell when we die, right? This is talking about God getting you out of messes here on the earth. Amen. God redeems us out of danger. Do you know this? Whether it's our fault, it's somebody else's fault, God redeems us out of danger. I remember when I was a teenager, I was raised with this awareness of God. You know, we, we weren't in any way like we are now. <laughs> Our family didn't, we didn't do all this, you know, in terms of applying the word and living the word. But, but we, were, we were kind of on the road, you know, and, and, and my mom was trying to do the best she can to raise us upright and that kind of thing. And so I had this kind of eh, casual awareness of God and, and Jesus. And, and I didn't want to make him mad and I didn't want to make him angry. And I was kind of scared, you know, which is good, you know, godly fear, right? Uh, godly sorrow causes repentance, but we need to, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, the Bible also says. And so, yeah, I was, I was kind of more on the straight and narrow because I didn't want to make anybody angry. Not God, not my parents, you know, I just wanted to fly under the radar and like just get along, right? Um, and while I was nowhere near perfect, not by a long shot, uh, I was 
neither attentive to God's word. I was kind of indifferent to the whole thing and uh, frankly prideful. I'll tell you that story another time. But uh, I wasn't trying to reject God. All right. I wasn't like actively in rebellion or anything, but I was not giving God any attention. I was not active. I was so passive. Uh, it, it was almost indifferent. Right. And um, it, it reminds me of that passage where he's like, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. I'll, I'll vomit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. And that was me. You know, Ugh. <laughs> how terrible is that growing up? Even still, God redeemed my life from destruction a few times that I know about. And uh, so I want to tell you two of them. Would you let me testify of God's goodness, redeeming my life from destruction like I could have been obliterated (laughs) at least twice (laughs) on the road, hazardous. Okay, I was working uh, one of my first job, maybe my first job ever, and uh, I had gotten laid off and I didn't really know, knew what that, I I didn't really know what that all meant at the time. And so I was distraught, man. I was distressed. I was crying. You know, I was, I was upset. I'm here. I'm 16 years old or whatever. And, and I felt like I got fired. I felt like it was a, a reflection of my performance and all that. And of course, it wasn't about any of that. However, that's the mental state I was in because I just didn't know any better. So I'm kind of driving. I'm meeting my mom somewhere, but I hadn't been there before. And so I'm, it's unfamiliar territory. And I'm looking for a place to park because I'm nearing the parking space, but it's all full. And so I thought I'll park on the dirt. And as I'm about to turn left, I swear to you, I hear this voice in my head that said, wait, don't turn yet. I said, okay. And so I slowed down and it was like immediately a big rig barreling down. It was a steep grade. This I was coming down a hill and this big rig, which would have been if I turned left into the dirt, right, would have been right in my driver's side door and it would have gotten me. And so that day, God redeemed my life from destruction. Hallelujah. Another time. I was in another job. I was going to pick up my fireworks van and uh, it was a, a company car for fireworks season, right? I had a little bit of work there just before Jen and I got married. And uh, my friend Rick was taking me on the 60 freeway and we were headed east in the morning in, and traffic in the morning on the 60 is not great. And so it was full. It was packed. I mean, but we were moving, you know, we were, we were grooving 60 miles an hour or whatever, but it, there was no bobbing and weaving. So we're in the carpool lane. And you know, on the right side uh, in America, <clears throat> pardon me, in America, there's, you get that double, the double, double yellow, right? And so there's a little bit of space right here. But on the left side, if you know the 60, then you know that um, there are these white dividers, like big cement dividers that are, you're not supposed to be able to crash into the other side. Somehow, some truck has found its way onto our side of the freeway and is barreling at us in the carpool lane. And I don't know how everyone else is getting out of it, but he, here he is, he's coming. And my life flashed before my eyes. I mean, it's really true. I was able to sort some things out in a split second and there was nowhere to go on either side. This is it. This is it. And what happens? But thankfully the Lord was with us and like just the microns that it took, you know, Rick maneuvered that little Pontiac Sunfire over to the right a little bit. That car went right past us uh, on the driver's side and we were spared. I, I still, I can believe it because I'm talking to you, but just barely because it didn't make any sense. I didn't know how we didn't hit anything and how we survived that. Praise the Lord. Who knows that God redeems your life from destruction? Amen. 
Oh, I want to hear some of your stories, by the way. If you have a story, just, just tell me in the service card later. I got a story I want to tell you. And so I can follow up with you or whatever. But let's do that. I want to tell you what else God redeems us from is sickness. God redeems us from sickness. Look at Matthew 9, verses 1 through 7. It says, So Jesus got into the boat and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Paralyzed. This guy can't walk. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Man, get happy. Come on, get happy. Your sins are forgiven you. All right. <laughs> this man had sin in his life, but he, the description is he's a paralytic. So it's not like he's his, the first thing on his mind is like, you know, what? I wonder if I can get some forgiveness of sins over here. Roll me over there a little bit. No, obviously the inference here is that he needs to get a physical healing. They're bringing him to Jesus so he can get healed, right? But look, he says, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. So not that every sickness comes from sin or anything, but some can. But Jesus knew this man needed forgiveness first. And then he proceeds on to the healing. But watch how he does it. Jesus, man, he's slick. I don't know, I don't know if you know Jesus' personality very well yet, but the more you invest in learning Jesus, he's, this dude's cool. At once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, look, they, cowards, they're not even saying it, right? They're thinking it in their hearts, within themselves. He said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk? Man, Jesus is like baiting the hook right here. He's getting ready to just, ba-bam. Notice that Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, but the man didn't just jump up and walk yet. Did you notice that? It's a distinct event. These two things are happening. These are two distinct blessings from the Lord. Verse six, Jesus says, but that you may know <laughs> within your hearts, <laughs> but that you may know that the son of man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. <laughs> and he arose and departed to his house. Like that's, that's how it happened. He went. So Jesus is like setting them up. He's like, not only am I going to smash your paradigm about forgiveness and all this on the earth, but I'm going to make you look so dumb for questioning me in your hearts. <laughs> and he called them out too. Why, why do you uh, think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say. I love that. So when you need a blessing that God offers, call out to the Lord. I mean, call out to God Almighty. Go get yours. <laughs> I wanted to say, I wanted to use the make seven up yours joke, but I can't. Uh, don't suffer unnecessarily. So many people suffering and there's no reason to because it's already been paid. Sometimes we just need to humble ourselves and cry out to God and say, Look, I, I can't do it alone. Why don't we just call on him and get what we need? Pride. That's why. And the enemy loves pride. He loves it when you get all proud and, and, and self-reliant and all that. And we know from the Bible that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, when you need something, you need some grace. Don't, don't approach the Lord in pride. Get humble. If the devil tells you you can do this alone, don't shut up. <laughs> I'm going to the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I'm serious about that. I know it's funny, but I'm serious. Look what else. God redeems us from financial disaster. Anyone been here too? I've been here. I've been all these places. Praise God. Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him 
and saved him out of all his troubles. Isn't God good? Saved him out of all of his troubles. Oh, I love that. God redeems us from every enemy when we seek him. There are some of these that I, I like. I added a little extra one that's, that's uh, particularly special to my heart. But look, this first one comes from Psalm 18.3. I will call upon the Lord. Who is a, I will call upon the Lord. I got to sing this song. Who is worthy to be praised? Does anyone know this? So shall I be saved from my enemies. Come on, you know this one. Finish it up. I will call upon the Lord. The Lord liveth and blessed be my rock. <laughs> I love that song. It is so old, but it is still so good. And especially if you put the right drums on it. All right. So dancing here, Psalm 23, uh, 25, Psalm 23, verse five, get your head back in the game, man, it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Woo! I mean, imagine God just like rolling it out for you. He's like, what's all this? You know, all your enemies looking around. It's like, what's all this? It's like, oh, yeah. God's like, I'm just preparing a table for Jeff. I'm making him his favorite food. I'm making him his chicken enchiladas and Mountain Dew, and we're going to have a time. Refried beans, this is going to be great. And so, like, for Jeff, he's like, yeah, for Jeff, I love him. He's my son, you know? And it's like, yeah, we wouldn't do nothing for Jeff. We wouldn't spit on his shoes if he was on fire, you know? Like, and God's like, well, it's not about what you would do. It's about what I'm doing. And, and I'm glad that you're here to see it. I'm rolling out this spread for my son, and you just got to drink it in where's our table? You don't get a table, you know, at that attitude, you know, like, but the Lord is saying, man, I wanted to come to your rescue. I wanted to make a display of this thing, how much I love you. He sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Amen. Now, going back, going back to this Psalm 103, we're going to look at verse four. Who crowns you, should I look at this camera? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is good. Tender mercies. The Hebrew for this is Racham. Racham. You got it. You're welcome, Carla. I know she likes it when I jump into these old languages. All right. This means compassionate love. Compassionate love. So I mean, break this word down like, like passion. This is like zeal. This is vigor. This is intentionality. This is like I'm all in, right? Compassionate togetherness. This is, oh, I see you. I see you're struggling and I'm coming alongside to help you. This is compassion. Is I, I weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's that guy, it's compassionate love. These are tender mercies. Loving kindness. The Hebrew for this, and you'll know this from OSL, level two, those who graduated and those who are going to step into it after level one, has said, has said this covenant loyalty and mercy. Covenant loyalty and mercy. Anybody here like loyal people? Anyone like when anyone's loyal to you? Yeah, I do too. I've experienced that a couple of times. <laughs> I like that. Not just normal mercy. This is tied to God's covenant. God swore to be merciful and loyal to you. God wants no way out of this dedicated promise that he's made to you. He's not looking for an exit strategy. He wants to do it. Amen. So God doesn't only crown you with a deep compassion and love that he feels in his heart. He crowns you with a covenant commitment. That when you call on him, he will be merciful to you. you. He will be merciful to you. And and what does mercy mean? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting the, the bad thing you deserve or the punishment you deserve or the whatever, right? That's 
mercy. And he's longing to do it. Now look at verse five. Are we going too fast? I hope you're keeping up. Verse five, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Whose youth? Your youth. <laughs> like the eagles. And Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. If you're willing and obedient. And, and even going back, if you're eager to do these good things, right? Man, get on God's program. Then you're going to eat the good of the land. But if we're satisfied, we're just struggling all the time. Then we can ignore God's words and God's blessings and God's promises and just keep on struggling. But that's not what we want. That's not what we're preaching. We're not preaching the struggling life. We're not preaching the weak life. We're preaching the good life because that's what Jesus said he's here to usher in life and life more abundantly. If we're willing to just settle like the people of God who didn't want to go into the promised land because they were all scared. They just like, well, let's just settle over here. Let's just stop or let's just go back to Egypt. And let's just settle for being slaves instead of getting all the good things God promised us. Terrible. No, we're going to enter and we're going to occupy this promised land. We're going to drive out all those former inhabitants that God says shouldn't be there anymore. I'm giving this to you. I'm giving it to you. We will start speaking the word in that case. These precious promises from God's heart, we're going to get them out of our mouths because they came out of God's mouth. Amen. Proverbs 18, 21 Will, I know you like this one. Allie, I know you like this one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Imagine you start preferring life over death. Just imagine, right? You're going crazy. Now, I'm going to choose life instead of death. Amen. Now, your life starts to show it. And your mouth starts to speak it out. It speaks it out over yourself and your children and in your spouse and in your friends and your neighborhood and your church, your workplace, your school. It starts speaking this out to yourself and others. And now they not only see the change that's happening in your life because you're loving this fruit, right? They see the increase. They see the blessing. And they hear the invitation to this new abundant and good life in Jesus. They see hope that their own situation can change because yours did. Right? If God can save me, man, he can save anybody, right? Amen. Look, they start thinking, maybe my family can change just like your family changed. You know, maybe, maybe salvation can come to this house. Maybe we can get on the right track. Maybe we can stop struggling all the time. Maybe we can have assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Ed, that was for you. Man, I know you're missing the hymns. All right. Maybe, maybe they start thinking, you know what? My family's all right too. Now, now what about my city? Maybe what if my city can change? Oh, now they start getting lit up, right? Now it's like, whew, what can we do today? God, thank you for another day to breathe in and breathe out and minister to people. Amen. All by the power of Jesus, just because the fruit came out of your lips, the tongue that speaks life. Amen. And God will never let you walk alone. I'm not going to sing that song. Don't worry. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all you need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Again, Jesus is the only way to get anything that we need. Amen. Look here what God's promising. You'll have all you need for you. You'll have all you need, every single thing that you could ever need to rescue and provide for other people. And get them into my family so they can start getting it for themselves. Amen. 
by connecting them to the source of all good things. Who's the source? By Christ Jesus, Philippians says. And so I just heard a testimony this week. I got to share this with you as we close. There's a man started doing exactly what I'm preaching to you today. And by going and releasing these over the lives of others, all these benefits and blessings, this rough and like tough lady that used to like handle some business in town, if you know what I mean, uh, this is in a rough neighborhood. She started seeing her life change because she made Jesus her Lord. Somebody spoke the word or got her attention. And then this like gruff and rough and tough lady started walking around with a smile on her face all the time. And people noticed, right? Because like the one that you avoid when they get transformed or whatever, or the lame man paralyzed from his mother womb, you know, all this. You start noticing when something is different in someone's life who's been only one way this whole time. And it's like, what happened to you? You know, and then you might even get a little bold enough to ask. And people found out, oh, yeah. So she found Jesus. And so there's these boys in town doing cocaine and they start talking while they're, while they're doing drugs. Terrible. And they start talking about this lady's transformation. And all of a sudden, through that exchange, where they were in the darkness and the addiction and the brokenness that they were in, they discovered, well, this lady found Jesus. Her whole life turned around. And now these guys are part of making disciples. Yeah, the people who are like all up on coke and everything. Now they're making disciples of people because they got it. They got it. The, God is real. The good life is available. It's for me and it's for me to share with others. And they got about it. And they're making disciples exactly what God has commissioned us to do. And he said, if you do it, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. I will supply everything that you need. Amen. Amen. So you may think that you have nothing to offer. You may think I'm just a regular person, just doing a regular job, just living a regular life. That is not meant to be the case. That's not meant to be your perspective, even. You're meant to see yourself as a son or a daughter of the king, a prince, right? A princess in the kingdom, whoever you are, if you're male or female. All right, and so when you have that identity, it's like, man, I'm royalty over here. Uh, things happen when I speak. I'm, I'm leading some things. I'm calling the shots in my city. I rule. <laughs> I rule. <laughs> and we are meant to because we hear God and we execute on the earth because we are yielded to him. This is, this is the thing. This is where we're going. This is who you're supposed to be. Do you feel like this person yet? Are you living this life yet? Or is it like, I just kind of get by, just do my thing, keep my head down. I settle. Basically, that's what you're saying. I settle. It can be different today if you allow God to make it different. You can stop settling and get the good life, all of it, today, and start releasing it all around as is your destiny. It's your birthright, and really, it's your job. <laughs> you got a job when you got saved, and this is your job, and we've been sleeping on the job. No more. Amen. If you will just release the rescue, the provision, the forgiveness, and the healing that God has for all people who want it, you'll never know what kind of darkness Jesus will make his way into <laughs> and dispel it with his life-giving light once you're willing to speak it out. Life is in the power of your tongue and those who love that life will eat its fruit. Amen. I hope you're taking this to heart and are ready right now to make some commitments to the Lord based on what you've heard from this word. So let's pray right now. As we take this time committing to the Lord, we do this every service. We commit 
to the Lord based on what we've heard. We're going to do something with it. So let's, let's move to action starting right now. Let's pray together. Father, you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And we know that the life you've wanted for us is the life that Jesus tells about in John. Life more abundantly. We want it. And we're willing to do what it takes to get it. And that means giving you attention, spending time with you in your word and in prayer, having and cultivating a relationship with you where we're not just takers all the time and casual and really just indifferent toward you, but no, we long to be with you. Give us the fruit that comes out of a time spent with you, consecrated, set apart. This is not like any other time. This is God's time. This is my time with the Lord. As we invest in you and you speak to us, may we also not stop short of giving this away. Jesus had had everything that he needed, yet he came and served and served and served and served and spoke and taught. and He, he taught and preached and healed. May we do the same by his example. And may we begin taking stock of maybe no fruitfulness yet in our lives spiritually. Maybe, maybe we have no one that we can say has come to faith in Jesus yet. Maybe we can say today, no, I haven't discipled anyone yet. No, I haven't made a, a replicating disciple maker out of anyone yet. But I want to today. I see all your benefits and I want them not only to enjoy, but to give away. Help us do it. We know it's you who work in us both to will and to do for your good pleasure. And today we are saying, I am eager to do good. I am eager to do good. And you only call us to good. We commit to you to do it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.